We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Deus. At Nick Deus 10 is you can find me, all things Veterans Minimum. You'll find that on veteransminimum.com. Recording at the Blue Wire Studio here in Las Vegas. Shout out to the win. And shout out to my guy, Kenny, calling in once again. <laughs> Ken, what's good, bro? What's going on, man? How we uh, how we feeling? I saw you crushed your contest again. 200,000 has never been so close, right? Dude. <laughs> Dude, it's like, I don't know if you're a wrestling fan, but wrestlers sometimes, they're like reaching for the bottom rope to break up a submission. Like they're right yeah, there, yeah. they're right there, they can feel it. I'm hoping I don't get pulled back to the center, but so far, so good, like man. The old, uh, the old ladder matches, you know? Oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Reaching for the belt so close and <laughs> <laughs> the ladder gets knocked down. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not, hopefully not. I do have, uh, dude, I got so lucky, bro. So let me, tell, let me tell you what went down yesterday. So my initial... My initial five, uh, I had the Patriots minus three. And then I switched that out and I took the Giants minus three. And I didn't confirm it. Kenny, I didn't confirm it. So I didn't have Patriots, which was a winner, but I also didn't have the Giants. Uh, Shout out to you. I took the Browns. Browns was something that... uh, and, And also, again, bro, we always talk about this shit. It's very important when you're betting the games because on the pod last week, once again, we're just giving out winners for Sunday, the Monday beforehand. The Browns, I locked them into my contest at eight and a half. And I, I believe on close, it was seven in some places. Yeah, I think seven. Most, I think seven and a half. Um, so I think what did the Bills end up winning by eight? Yeah. Yeah. So locked that in, had that one, had, um, had the Colts. Plus six and a half. That covered. And dude, I'm a I'll put my bet in and then I don't I don't look at it. I don't look at fantasy matchups. I don't look at daily fantasy. I don't look at my props. I just wait until the end because I don't want to get suckered into thinking that I'm gonna hit and then I don't. Right. There was a Monday night football game, dude. The Bengals were playing the Steelers. 
this is when Le'Veon Bell was on the team many years ago. And at halftime of Monday Night Football, bro, I was winning $178,000 in on DraftKings. And I started immediately. I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh shit, I'm going to pay off student loans. I'm going to buy some sneakers. <laughs> I'm going to buy some wild shit. And then guess what happens? And I end up losing like $200. <laughs> Here I'm thinking that I, here I'm thinking I'm gonna buy a Porsche and all this craziness and then nothing. So ever since then, bro, I put my bets in and I'll just check at the end. It's better that way, uh, definitely for the sanity, right? Um, and you know, you, you can say what you want. I'm a big believer in energy. Uh, how do you feel about that, Nick? Like, if you're around someone that's just constantly negative, bad things tend to happen. But if you're going through things with a, a positive outlook or you're just confident in, in stuff, in, in a result, I feel like it, it usually goes your way. Uh, do, you, do you ever like, correlate those two things? Yeah, not just in betting, just like in general, too. Like, I, I, I hate being around people that just every like you're always you're always down. You're always upset. And I get it. Like, not every day is sunshine and rainbows for me either. But it's like, dude, at some point, it's like, man, can, it, it just it just ruins your vibe, too. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a big believer in you manifesting, you know, your, your, your outcomes. And, uh, as crazy as it sounds, man, I, I really think those things do play a part in it. Uh, maybe it's your mental psyche or something, your, your subconscious on some level, but, uh, you know, when, when I'm betting on a game, if I go into it, like, ah, this is, I feel like this is a tough one or let's say it teams up. Right. And I'm like, ah, they're going to blow this game. They always end up blowing the game. Uh, but if you, if let's say a team's down and I'm like, I feel good about this. I, I think they'll come back. You know, I, I think they still got a shot and they always end up coming back. Um, so yeah, I, I think you got, you got to just go into things with a positive outlook, you know, especially betting, you know, any life endeavor, like you said, you just gotta, gotta stay positive, man. Life's life's too tough to, to put yourself down. Dude, uh, nothing drives me crazier than when I give out a bet on social media or I shoot a video or even on the podcast. And then I have a friend of mine text me at some point during the game and it's like, oh, dude, print, we're printing money on this one. Or like, good call. It's like, man, been doing this a while. <laughs> That's just not over until I, I see triple zeros. It happened to me with the Ravens game this year against Miami. At Ravens minus three, feeling good. I get the text, yo, good call on Baltimore. And I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> and then when Miami takes the lead, I sent him a lot of things that I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mention what I sent him, but <laughs> it was like, dude, can't do that shit, man. You can't do it. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, especially me, I have clients. So literally just happened to me this past week and I had Baylor, uh, I had Baylor spread money line, second half spread, second half money line. They're up eight with like four minutes to go. My clients are texting me like, yo, bro, how did you call Baylor upset in TCU? You're, you're the best fucking Baylor, man. Chokes it away, loses the game somehow. Uh, so yeah, you never want to start counting your, what do they say? You don't count your chickens before they hatch. Yep. Yep. And even in the UFC with, with Adesanya, I tweeted out something where I think Adesanya is going to make him look like a... It, the way the fight's going to play out for Adesanya, I was saying that at some point he'll be like a minus 1,000 favorite. And right before the fifth round, they flash it, minus 1,500 live. And I have a friend of mine that texts me. He goes, yo, we're looking good. And then it's like, dude, please don't do that. If you know, If you know that I've bet on something... Don't text me until after. I'd rather you text me after and troll me than you text me while the bet is live because then it just yeah. it just ruins my whole vibe and the energy like you were just talking about. Yeah, like, you know, my girlfriend gets annoyed with me with, with that sometimes where I'm like, dude, listen, like, 
I don't need you telling me that this was a dumb bet. I don't need you telling me anything right now. Like, or if let's say I'll be like, Hey, uh, babe, I'm going to run to the casino and go bet this game real quick. She'll be like, you think you should do that? I'm like, what do you mean? You think I should do that? That's what I do for a living. Like, why are you, why are you even saying that putting that energy out there? Um, so yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's, it's no good. Negative people. No good. Keep them away from me. Man. Talk about energy and the vibe just being off. Did you watch that USA game today? I didn't. I didn't watch the game. And, you know, it's weird. I've, I'm usually a big World Cup guy. Like, when the World Cup comes, I'm super excited. I'm, you know, pretty much trying to watch every single game for the most part. I don't know. This year, this year is just different. I'm not as, uh, maybe because it's in November and there's football going on. College basketball just started. There's so many other things going on. I'm just not focused on it as much. But I just feel like it's not as exciting this year. I'm, I'm reading reports that, you know, Qatar has fake fans. They're paying people to act as fans for the team. So, I don't know. I just feel like uh, not as interested. But uh, as the games start going, like Thursday, uh, Portugal plays, obviously. So, I'm super excited for that one. Uh, when the better teams start playing, I'll probably start watching more. No, that's fair, dude. And I think that's a big reason why. Like, my favorite thing about the World Cup was that it was always in the summertime. And my... My first love was soccer and, and still is like I became super passionate about football, but soccer was my first love and soccer owned the summer. There was nothing else going on. It dominated for about five to six weeks. You had baseball on, but it's like the dog days of summer and people aren't as invested. You just had the NBA finals just end, the Stanley Cup just ends and then soccer just dominates it. And now with it being in the middle of football, it's like, dude, yesterday, I couldn't believe that they scheduled the Qatar Ecuador game on a football Sunday. And, like, just moving forward, like, those <laughs> games are just, like, I know the World Cup is December 18th, the final, but that's, that's going to be on at, I believe it's 11 a.m. Eastern time, 8 a.m. Pacific, something, like, super, and it's like, that, that's good. Like, unless the game goes into extra time, that's going to be over before everyone is, you know, tuned into red zone. Yeah, I, you look at it, and I feel like they've kind of botched this whole thing. When you hear about you can't drink in the stadiums. Uh, you know, you talk about the scheduling of the games lining up with NFL football. And I mean, that could just be us ignorant Americans thinking that NFL football is king. But, you know, you're a big soccer guy. I like soccer. We all know soccer worldwide is the number one sport. Um, so they probably maybe they're thinking, hey, we don't give a fuck if, if Americans are going to watch watch these games or not. If they want to watch football. They can go watch football. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the whole just the whole changing it from the summer to November uh, everything is just a weird feeling to this World Cup. No, I agree with you. And I think that's a big reason why people do feel that way. And obviously, we're excluding the elephant in the room, which is all the chaos surrounding Qatar getting the bid and how they are politically and their culture out there. That's a big reason why I think a lot of people are turned off with the with the World Cup. But I think going into this USA game, dude, and I think if you've ever heard the expression, Kenny, of a tale of two halves, that's the best way to describe how this game went. Because in the first half, USA looked unbelievable. Their midfielders, uh, attacking, uh, just the, the pace, everyone. They had like 65% of the possession too. I was like, yo, am I watching Spain? Like, what's going on? I knew that. I was very, <laughs> dude, I was very high on the US, like this core moving forward. And I think two things could be true. Like, they might not make it out the group or they might, uh, you know, get shellacked at some point. But this is also the golden generation. They have the youngest roster at the World Cup. Everything is building towards 2026 when the World Cup is going to be in the States. But when you look at this roster, half the guys play in Europe, 
90% of the lineup, with the, the exception of two players, I think the starting 11 are all players playing in the Premier League or Serie A or La Liga. And you saw that being super obvious on the field because the way some of those guys are keeping their composure under pressure, it's because they're not playing in the MLS. I'm like, dude, the MLS, it ain't it, bro. It's like a 30-year-old league. Kids are getting drafted to go play in the MLS. They're 22 years old. Everyone in Europe, when they're 22 years old, they've already had like six or seven years of professional soccer being played. And like the, the level playing field is not the same. But with our core players now all playing overseas, you see why they were able to play so well in the first half. And then, Kenny, we need like a 30 for 30 on the halftime speech because I don't know what happened in the second half, bro. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you say the golden generation, man. I, I don't know. I've, I've been hearing a lot of about Belgium's golden generation for the last, what, eight, 12 years now, and they've yet to win anything. So maybe it's not, maybe the golden generation is not a good thing, but yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, I think this is the most excitement around the U S men's soccer team in probably ever. Uh, and I, I know last world cup, you know, they kind of, was it the last one, or the one before that, where, where they actually kind of, there was a little excitement around that team as well. 2014, they made it out the group. So that, that was, was the last time they were in. But I think it was like over 3,000 days since the last time that they played in a World Cup. Yeah, it's because uh, they didn't make the last one, right? No. Nah, and in hindsight, at the time, it was catastrophic. But it was, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to the program because everyone that was from that tenure, they got let go. New, new president came in um, for, for U.S. soccer. A uh, new manager came in also, and they eliminated that whole, like, we're going to prioritize the guys with the dual citizenship, the guys that are playing overseas, and that's how it should be, dude. You shouldn't have, like, man, the MLS, you can't have guys starting over players that are playing big minutes in valuable clubs overseas. And in the second half, dude, they made all these substitutions all at once also, which was horrible. Like, I'll never understand that. You can't have three new guys coming onto the field cold turkey in a in a heated environment like that where Wales the whole second half was just like that's the best Wales has looked in a very long time also and complete polar opposites between the two halves and the thing about Wales is now they have life in the group and USA I feel like you were talking we, we opened this conversation about energy and the vibe like dude I feel like they lost I feel like they lost the way England beat Iran today yeah, so I mean, you you probably figure them and Wales will probably beat Iran. So you're looking at four points each. So I, I think it could come down to how bad do they beat Iran. That could be the difference in the goal differential, right? Because you you figure England is better than USA and Wales. So unless England lets off for a game, I don't see either of those teams beating England. They may draw England, but I don't see them beating them. Um, so yeah, I think that that Iran game is going to be huge for both of those teams because U.S. may have to put up four or five goals to you know help them in that goal differential category. Well, and also this game on Friday when England and USA plays, you got to hope if you do lose to England, you don't get throttled four or five nothing because a goal differential. Yeah, now, that was the thing that was. That's why this first game, the first game is always important in any major tournament. I think Spain in 2010. Yeah, Spain in 2010, they lost their first game. But then they won the two games, and then they went on to win the World Cup. But that's also Spain. Talk about golden generation, like their golden generation. They went Euro, World Cup, Euro. But 
when you're the U.S. and you get the favorable draw of avoiding England in that first game, you got to take care of business, right? Like Senegal probably still feels optimistic because they lose to the Netherlands, but everyone else in their group, it's still open. But now with USA, not only are you watching what you're doing, you got to start scoreboard watching. And Kenny, in any sport, bro, there's nothing that frustrates me more than when, I, when I'm rooting for a team and I got to watch what other scoreboards are going to be. Like, I need them to lose. You got to lose. Oh, you, you can't win by a certain margin because then I'm asked out. Yeah, I feel that uh, that's, you know, different sport. But I, I have a couple bets on LSU to win the national championship. So, like, this weekend I'm looking, you know, Michigan's losing at one point. Uh, USC was losing. Tennessee obviously lost. So I'm thinking here, like, oh, if Michigan goes down, if USC loses, if Tennessee loses, this is just clearing up a, a wide open path for LSU here. But uh, I, I, you know, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's 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 not fun when the the outcome is not something that's in your control, right? Like USA could win that game, or I guess let's say they win the next one and then lose to England. And if Wales does the same thing, but if Wales loses to England by less or beats I. Uh, I ran by more goals. Now USA is out. So yeah, I, I totally understand that. Who did you like coming into this World Cup? Portugal. I'm a big, big Portugal guy. Uh, one, I'm, I'm part Portuguese, so a little bit of a homer pick. But I've uh, I've made a lot of money on on Cristiano Ronaldo over the years. Whether it was betting Real Madrid to win the Champions League three consecutive times, which I did. Uh, whether it was betting Portugal to win the Euro in 20, was that 2016, which they did. Um, so I've made a lot of money on Ronaldo. I know a lot of people are counting him out, saying he's washed up. You know, he's kind of over the hill now. But, you know, you and I talked about this over the weekend. I really think Ronaldo doesn't care about the club anymore. He doesn't care about playing for Manchester United. What, what else does he have to prove at this point? The only thing the guy has not won is the World Cup. So you look at the team, this is not the same Portugal team we're accustomed to seeing where it's pretty much give Ronaldo the ball, let him do some magical thing out there, and kind of that's it. They're they're pretty stacked, and I feel like a lot of people are not talking about how much talent they actually have around Ronaldo. That's a, that's a fair assessment, dude, because you could say the same thing about Messi and Argentina. You could say the same thing about Brazil and Neymar, too, how... They, they used to be so reliant on those guys, but now they actually have dudes around them that can help elevate them too. Yeah, a little different because I feel like when with Argentina, right? Messi's had some really, really good teams in Argentina. That's fair, yeah. Like to the point where expectations were so high for him in Argentina that he didn't he retire from the, the, the national team at one point because Argentinian... Like the people of Argentina were just bashing him so much, saying how much he like crumbles and folds on the state on the, the national stage. So he was he was thinking about retiring from the national team because he was getting so much backlash from how bad they looked and the expectations were so high. And then you look at a guy like Ronaldo, he has not always had a great team around him, but he wins the Euro. He constantly delivers for his team. He is always helping them advance to the next stage, right? Uh, what it, was it? 2008, was it? Or when, when did when they came in third or fourth with Luis Figo? I think that was 06. 06, right? Was that yeah. when, who won that one? Italy, right? Italy France, won that one, when yeah. When Zidane headbutt. Yeah. That was the uh, infamous headbutt by Zinedine Zidane. And uh, now that I know that you're Portuguese, uh, shout out to Greece in 2004. 
beat Portugal not once but twice on home soil. How'd that make you feel? <laughs> you just, what are you trying to make me feel bad or something? Hey man, listen, uh, Greece ain't playing in no major soccer tournament anytime soon. So if I had to pull the clock back 18 years, just let me have that one for a second. Yeah, but th- this Portuguese team is kind of weird though because you look at some of the matches they've had coming up to this, like they draw with Spain in Spain mm-hmm. and then they go back and play in Portugal and they get absolutely shellacked. Uh, same thing, I think it was with Serbia. They beat Serbia. Then they go play in Portugal and they get shellacked by Serbia. Um, so yeah, weird team. I, I think they, you know, look tricky, but I think they're, they have the pieces. Obviously they have Ronaldo. They have the big name. Um, I, I like them, especially look at plus 1500. So like, I'm not going to bet a Brazil, like looking at this, everyone knows Brazil is the best team. That's not even a question. That's not even debatable from top to bottom. They're fucking stacked Brazil, but I'm not betting them to win the world cup at plus 300. No, I mean, dude, we, we talk about this all the time. Like, who you think is going to win and where the money should go or, like, where the value is is two completely different conversations. And it takes people a long time to be able to understand the difference between the two. Like, I was telling, you know, segue a little bit into the NFL now. Patrick Mahomes is the favorite to win MVP. At the beginning of the year, he was, like, the fifth or sixth favorite. All the hype was on Josh Allen. All the hype was on Buffalo. The most heavily wagered team in the NFL by a landslide was the Buffalo Bills to win their division, the conference, the Super Bowl, him to be MVP. And it's like, dude, it's it's hard when it's the clear-cut favorite for that to happen. And now the clear-cut favorite after 11 weeks is Pat Mahomes, who the boy bet and gave out at 10-1 to 1 at the beginning of the year in my preseason episode that we did. Is Kansas City the team that you feel like week to week you trust the most in the NFL? Trust the most in regards to what? Just to win the game? Like, dude, to win the game. Because, like, I'm not betting the Chiefs. Like, I'm the Chiefs to cover spreads. You know what I mean? Right. So. I'm saying, I'm saying like, from, from a non-betting standpoint. Like, you know okay. that this team is going to show up. You know that this quarterback is going to show up with his A game. I can't think of anyone else other than Kansas City and Mahomes that I know like week in, week out, I know what to expect. And even if even if it's wacky like Sunday Night Football was against the Titans, if the game is within a possession, he'll still get it done. He'll find a way to get it done. Yeah, 100%. I think they're, they kind of remind me of the Patriots when Brady was with them, obviously. Like, you, you know, right? Like, they're going to be prepared. They're not really going to beat themselves. Uh, if they get down, they're never out of the game. They have the quarterback, Mahomes, similar to a Brady when he was with New England. You know, the guy that in, in crunch time, he does not fold. And that's really what you need. Like, you know, talking about that Baylor game on Saturday, quarterback completely lost the game for them. He had two first downs. He left on the field, gave TCU the ball twice. That's the difference between like a good quarterback and a bad quarterback, knowing how to manage the clock how to, you know, the tempo to keep going. There's a lot of little things that probably that a lot of the casual fan doesn't really consider. But yeah, when you look at, at the Chiefs, I mean, when, you know, the, the Broncos, Chargers, and Raiders have never seen their team beat Mahomes in their own stadium. So the guy's undefeated on the road in his own division. Unheard of. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is a freak. You know, I think we all kind of know that. Yeah, that was the wildest that when they flashed that yesterday on... Uh on Sunday Night Football and throughout Twitter. Dude has never, he's never lost on the it's road. That's wild, bro. And that's yeah. hilarious also how, how you're saying no 
no home team has seen their team beat Mahomes in division. Like that's, Yeah, right? Like you, you know he's coming to town, chalk it up as an L pretty much. Yeah. It, though against the spread, which is what we liked uh, last week, I said anytime Herbert's catching six or more, I'm going to be on that. And that game was rather comfortable from a betting perspective in the sense like if you were on the Chargers, I don't think at any time was I sweating that. They jumped out to the lead. It was nice like as someone who's financially invested in the Chargers, it's nice to see what this team looks like when they're fully healthy. Obviously, if you take away the top two receivers from any team in the NFL, it's going to look a little shitty at some points. But you see what Mike Williams does. You see what Keenan Allen does. Justin Herbert on third and like 15s. I don't think there's a quarterback in the league I want more being back there slinging it because it just seems like it seems like Herbert needs it to be third and 15 or more or fourth and 15 or more for him to be like, all right, this is where I'm comfortable at. Yeah, I mean, you, there there's probably only one time in yesterday's game where it it did seem like when the when the Chiefs were driving and they fumbled. I think it was in the fourth quarter. Yep, you remember that? That was the only time where the where the Chargers spread kind of was in question because if the Chiefs go down, I think they would have been up ten at that point. Um, You're right because that was right after Keenan fumbled. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, that, that you know defense stepped up, but they couldn't close. They couldn't step up enough to uh, keep Mahomes out of the end zone. Kelsey, another hat trick. Second game this year, three touchdowns. Guy's just unheard of, man. Yo, so it drives me crazy, Kenny. It drives me crazy when it's third down and a team has... I feel like it's fair to say they have one reliable weapon. Like one that's been there. He's the only one that's been there with Mahomes as much. But just like across the league, when it's third down... And it seems like everyone knows where the ball's going to go. And the dude still delivers, right? The Rams with Cooper Cup. It seemed like anytime they needed a third down, the ball was going to Cooper Cup. It's like, yo, how do you not, like, everybody, the drunk dude at the bar knows that the ball's going to Cooper Cup. Everyone knows that Kelsey's going to get the ball there. Same thing with Minnesota. Like, the ball's going to go on a third or fourth down. It's going to go to Justin Jefferson. It's like, yo, that's what I, that's how I describe an elite guy in football or an elite system where it's like, you know where the ball's going to go and you still can't do nothing about it, that's when you have someone that's special. And right now, like Mahomes and Kelsey, they got to be the number one duo in the league just from, from a quarterback uh, pass catcher standpoint. I don't think there's anyone else. It's the, uh, it's the new Brady and Gronk, man. It's like the saying goes, you can't stop it. You can only hope to contain it, you know? Um, yeah, I, Patrick Mahomes, he's impressed me a lot this year because there was a lot of talk about him taking a step back. The teams in the division all got significantly better, right? The Broncos get Russell Wilson. The Raiders get uh, Devontae Adams. The Chargers get Khalil Mack and a bunch of other pieces. And, you know, no one was talking about the Chiefs coming into this year. No one was talking about Patrick Mahomes for MVP. It was Josh Allen. It was Tom Brady. It was uh, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. I fell into that trap. No one was talking about Patrick Mahomes, the best player in the NFL. So, um, yeah, I, I think I'm, I've been very impressed with him, especially you lose a guy like Tyreek Hill, and that offense hasn't skipped a beat, man. They're just, just as lethal this year as they were last year. I know someone that was talking about Mahomes and the Chiefs. Who's that, you? The boy. <laughs> Dude, I said it was, it was the, it's the Pat Mahomes FU season. Because look who's getting praise, right? Josh Allen, best quarterback in the league. Russell Wilson in his division, Justin Herbert in his division, where, and I love Justin Herbert. I think he's amazing. I think he's, he is everything that we say that he is, but dude hasn't accomplished anything. 
right? Joe Burrow goes to the Super Bowl last year. He beats Mahomes in the playoffs. And you're just looking around the league and everyone is hyping up everybody but Mahomes. And Mahomes like, all right, man, I lost Tyreek. But y'all must have forgot the famous uh, Roy Jones Jr. song. Y'all must have forgot. And I, and I coined it. The reason why I loved Mahomes to win MVP and why I also, I was saying to myself, even though I did pick the Chargers, I was saying to myself, this might look super foolish when we look back at this, that they were like plus 140 to win their division. And we picked every other team but the Chiefs. Right? Like how many times during the Brady era did you see plus money on them to win the division? It's like, dude, this guy just Man. runs shit in his division. <laughs> and, and, I, and I coined it like, yo, this is the Mahomes FU season. Like you guys must have forgot. And now I'm going to go out there and I'm going to throw 50 touchdowns which, with a bunch of new guys and Kelsey. And that's really what he's doing. He's on pace for 50? I don't know if he's on pace for 50. I'll pull it up right now as we're talking. But uh, that <laughs> I was, know he's having a good year. I didn't know, well, that I didn't was, know he was having that good of a year. But that was, my, that was like my outlook of it. It's like, yo, I okay. think this guy could throw like 50 touchdowns. And if he does with all these new guys that are in play and rookie wide receivers and Juju on a one-year deal and they trade for Tony and, and congrats. Everyone wasted their breath last week. Like, oh, Tony on the Chiefs, wild X Factor. It's like, dude, did you not watch his career with the Giants? It's like, bro, you should have asked me. Like, this is what this guy does. He plays one or two games, lights it up. He, he was undressing Diggs last year in that game that they played in Dallas, was having him run circles, and then he pulls a hamstring, and he's out for six weeks. It's like, yo, this is his MO. When he's healthy, he's amazing. But guess what? He's not healthy. And that's what you saw happen. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the most important thing, right, is being reliable, dependability, being able to be out there on the field. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought the Tony pickup was huge for them. I think come playoff time, I still think it's going to be a big pickup. By the way, Mahomes has 28 touchdowns. All right, so he's not on pace. He's but he's gonna have a good year, and I think he locked up MVP last night. Yeah, already. Already. Yeah, I, I mean, you look at so Lamar Jackson has fallen drastically. Mm-hmm. Now he, he's like plus twenty six hundred. Josh Allen, Bills have the Bills. I've been saying it all year, um, but I think a lot of people are starting to realize it. Like the Bills are, are not the powerhouse, the juggernaut that people thought they were in the beginning of the season. Like the first four weeks, the bills looked unbeatable. Um, now I think we're starting to see some chinks in that armor and teams are starting to figure out their weaknesses, how to game plan for them. And they look like they've come down to earth a little bit more. Um, Tua is, is obviously he's a candidate for MVP right now. I don't see Tua winning the MVP over Patrick Mahomes. Just don't see it happen, especially because Mahomes, the way he's doing it, there's, so many game-winning drives already, like fourth-quarter comebacks coming from behind. Um, you know, he's he loses his best weapon, Tyreek Hill, and he's still having an amazing season. So, yeah, I think Patrick Mahomes locked it up last night for sure. Two would be the only other person I would mention, which I think for him and, like, Dolphins fans, that's a massive win that more than halfway through the season we're even entertaining the idea. And I'm, I think they've lost one time in a game this year that he started and finished. And he's on this wild winning streak, too, that he's been on. And also you have the Tyreek Hill thing going on as well with him leaving one guy going to the other and elevating him. Tua has 18 touchdowns to three interceptions, and I think ultimately that's what it's going to come down to. Mahomes is probably going to have 10 or more touchdowns on him by the end of the year, and they're going to cruise. I was looking at their schedule. It's very favorable. Uh, the, The hard games are out the way. They're not playing the Chargers again. They played Buffalo already. I think Kansas City will probably lose one game, one more game the rest of the way 
if that, and he'll just throw close to he'll, he'll throw north of forty touchdowns this year and get close to fifty. I think I think a rough like if I was to put the over under, I'd say like forty four and a half is where I would have Mahomes right now. The rest of the way, there's he's gonna play seven more games. He's already at twenty eight. You know he's gonna have another five touchdown performance somewhere, and then it just depends: is he gonna throw multiple in other games? So, I, I think Mahomes, I think Mahomes is the MVP and is gonna get it. But I don't know if I would bet him now, though. Even money, Kenny. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not telling people to go bet him. I'm right. just saying I think he'd lock it up. Uh, I don't see how he can lose it. Really, um, obviously, knock on wood, unless he gets hurt or something. But. I don't think the Dolphins will win the division. How would you give Tua the MVP over Mahomes if Mahomes is first in his division, right? Like, you can't do that. Do you see the Dolphins winning the division? Nah, and, and not even the division. I'm just thinking just Mahomes being the number one overall seed. Like, how are you going to give it to a guy that isn't? You know, like, I think Kansas City is in the driver's seat now to be the one seed. Yeah, especially like you said, all the talk coming into this year was the Chiefs. This is their down year. Mahomes is going to regress a little bit, right? They lose Tyreek Hill. So, yeah, I think when you put all of that together, you have to give it to Patrick Mahomes. When I'm listen, I would love for Lamar Jackson to win the MVP. I would win a lot of money. I'd be happy. My clients would be happy. But watching football throughout the season, when I watch Patrick Mahomes, I'm like, yeah, that's he's he's the MVP. And it's just clear. Like when you watch the Chiefs play, they're just fun to watch. Like, they're definitely the most box office team in football. Like I could watch this Kansas City Chiefs play every single Sunday night football, every Monday night football, every Thursday night football. They're just fun to watch. Yeah, and especially when it's especially when it's Mahomes and Herbert. Like those are those are the best ones for me. I feel like those two matchups, like they should always be in prime time. And those are two guys that we should always just have in prime time. Kenny, I want to ask you, though, man, as, as staying a little bit with Buffalo, uh, I feel like week 11 could be described as like the, the fakes got exposed. And it's, it's a couple of teams that we've been, we've agreed on Buffalo. We've been, we're a little indifferent on Minnesota. And it might be my bias from the regular, from the preseason, I should say, coming in where I felt like Minnesota had a chance to be the two seed. They're still the two seed. And then you have the New York Giants, who every time I've recorded, I'm laughing my ass off on Mondays that they're winning these games. And of those three teams, I feel like all three of them got exposed this weekend. Which of the three are you the most concerned about, though? Well, I mean, you, no one really thought the Giants were doing anything, right? Like, No, no one did. And that's why, like, to me, it was... As they were winning and people were praising them, like, dude, PFF had them as the number four team in football last week. It's like, yo, hold on. Yeah, that's nuts. They're not like, <laughs> if you were to take the top six, well, what is it, top 14 teams that make the playoffs, like, they're not one of the 14 best teams. I don't care what the record is. Like, they're not a good team. They're basically Saquon Barkley, bust a long run, defense, bend but don't break, and let's just blitz the hell out of you and hope we can get some turnovers. And it's like, Daniel Jones, if you throw more than 17 times, we're kind of screwed. They're not a good team. So to me, it was, they finally got exposed. Now, I didn't think it was going to be Detroit that was going to do it. But that's where, that's where we were with the Giants. So I guess, to your point, it's either Buffalo or Minnesota for you. Yeah, uh, I would say Minnesota. Um, because the way they got beat in, in the crib, like, to get yeah. beat like that on your home field uh, for a game that 
is is definitely going to have big playoff implications. Um, yeah, that was just, it. Was just a bad look for Minnesota. It's a bad look for Kirk Cousins, who gets a lot of heat for not being able to perform in the big games, prime time spots. So yeah, I, I think Minnesota comes out of that uh, looking pretty bad going forward for the rest of the season. Dude, and let's also give props to the Minnesota like home field advantage. It's a place where they've been pretty successful at home, and this this Vikings team with Kirk Cousins. They've been really successful. And then just to, like, no life, dude. No life. Like, that game was over after the first quarter. You just knew when they, when, when Dallas jumped out to the lead, you knew it was a wrap. Like, Tony Pollard, again, like, I've been, I've been on the Tony Pollard is better than Zeke bandwagon since he got into the league. And with Zeke, like, he's the best one-yard running back in football. And, yeah, they complement each other in the goal line. You saw Zeke score a touchdown and some short yarded stuff. But, dude, Pollard just, like, unleashes another level to their offense. And now... Oddly enough, you have the Giants and Cowboys playing on Thanksgiving. We'll get to that in a second. But you have this little Odell Beckham toy being dangled over everyone's head. Like, the, the Cowboy players are tweeting at him. He's entertained the idea, too. It would break my heart, Kenny, if he goes to Dallas. But I can't knock him, dude, because he's, he's – not that the Rams and the Cowboys are similar to where they were last year. I think if C.D. Lamb is how Cooper Cup was to the Rams – not as productive, but he's like the main target for them. Odell could step right. in right away and just be another weapon for Dak. Yeah. I don't think he goes to Dallas, do you? Like, I just, I mean, maybe. Who knows? It's, it's Odell. Who knows? But I can't see. Is, is that where it's narrowed down to now? Just the, the Giants and the Cowboys? I think he goes to like Buffalo. The Chiefs? My, my pick is that he goes to the Buffalo Bills. He's close with Stephon Diggs. He's close. He's best friends with Von Miller. They've they've done the same stuff that the Dallas players are doing now all season. If you think of if you think of Buffalo right now, dude, like Gabe Davis, I think had, leads the league in drops. He's had a, some drops issues, and outside of Diggs, they don't have another reliable weapon really. Davis pops off for these big games, but then disappears. Like he'll score, he'll he'll do what he did to Pittsburgh, and then he'll have three catches for four weeks. Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to see him go to the Ravens. Um, I would love to see Lamar Jackson with like a game changing wide receiver. Poor guy. Never. <laughs> he's got the worst weapons in the league. Um, yeah, I, I would like to see him on the Ravens or the chiefs. I think, I, th- I think that would be the most excitement for me. It would be cool, obviously for him to reunite in New York. I think he would give the giants something that they're missing and that they desperately need. Cause the receiving core for the giants is just trash, straight trash. Um, I, I don't want to see him on Dallas. I hate the Cowboys, man. I don't really hate teams, and but something about the Cowboys, their fans, they just annoy me. No, nah, I'm with you, dude. They're they're great to bet against in the come playoff time. Like, I've made a lot of money betting against them come playoffs. Like, last year was around this time where I was coining it the first-round bounce dance, and it was like them, the Cardinals, and unfortunately, your New England Patriots, right? It's your Patriots. You're a Pats fan. Yeah, Pats fan. Yeah. I mean, they, they uh, oof, Zach Wilson. It must be nice playing Zach Wilson twice a year, no? <laughs> yeah, he's bad man and what do you what do you think of uh him after the game saying he didn't let the defense down like the guy's gonna get killed in the locker room saying stuff like that i mean garrett wilson came out and just said he's like nah we can't have that shit like he was like yo we can't like he's he's holding him back and that's why yo quarterback wins can be very misleading because zach wilson has a winning record this season with him with him being the starter but like they're winning in spite of zach wilson I really like the Jets roster, dude. Their offensive line still needs work. I really like the skill position players. I think their defense 
can make some noise. I mean, yo, last, yesterday they kept them to three points. It's like, dude, what more do you want from them? And, you know, Brees Hall, he'll come back. He's still young enough. And that was devastating because I think now they average like right under, I think it's like 3.2 yards per carry that they're averaging. And they had a really good one-two punch with him and Michael Carter. But, dude, Zach Wilson is like, you got you to gotta cut bay with him. And it sucks because you're looking at the Jets and they've invested, like they tanked the year before to get a top pick and then you get him. And it's just not working. Like, I don't think... He won't be the quarterback for the Jets next year, I don't think. Yeah, he definitely shouldn't be. And, you know, it's just classic Jets, right? Like, they're they're not going to line up. They're going to have this window of having a great team, great roster, good defense, good pieces. They're not going to have the quarterback to get it done. Uh, you can't tank, obviously, right, with those good pieces. Not where they got seven wins. They're not going to be anywhere close to the top of the draft uh, this year. I want to ask we, – we, we stopped talking about it, but I want to ask you about that Minnesota game real quick. How much do you think that loss was the Cowboys are just that much better than them? Or was it Minnesota coming off one of the most biggest emotional wins we've probably seen this year, other than maybe when the Bills played the Chiefs? But, you know, that game was crazy the way they beat the Bills. Like, I imagine there had to be a very big emotional dump for them, right? To then try and get back up for that game against the Cowboys. Dude, I love that you asked this. Because I think... And I don't want this to be a cop-out. I think it's a combination of both, but heavily skewed to, like, the miracle win against Buffalo. And the reason why I say that is, dude, a little bit of deja vu, right? They win the Minnesota miracle the way they did in the playoffs many years back. And I know, like, the team is completely different from what it once was, but the the analogy here is going to make a lot of sense, Kenny, where Minnesota wins that game against the Saints on the Hail Mary there, and then the next week they play Philly and get throttled. And then what do you have? You have them beat Buffalo the way they did. I think it was the biggest upset from like uh, pro football reference. And uh, uh, what's that website where they do like the projections? PFF did like the updated like uh, chances you lose this game. I think Buffalo was like 99.2%. And then they came back and they lost. It's like, yo, you just overcame that on the road too. Now you're coming home. And Dallas, the way Dallas lost too, let's parlay that, right? Like Dallas is up double digits in the fourth quarter and then they lose in overtime in a game they should have won. I think it's a combination of both. I think Dallas was like, yo, this is a team that we can't have happen what happened last week. And Minnesota coming off that high and coming home, I think Dallas is also that much better than them, dude. I think Dallas might be the second best team in the NFC. Really? Behind who the Niners, I'm guessing? I would say Philly right now. I would say Philly one. I'd say Dallas two. Well, I'm not talking about like, I, I think San Fran in the end will be one of the two teams remaining in the NFC. Okay. But I'm saying okay. like right now, who's playing the best? Because like, yo, the Niners are having guys coming back. They're one hamstring away from CMC. You know, we can't chalk him up to being healthy for the rest of the way. George Kittle, the same thing. So to me right now, I think it'd be Philly and then and then Dallas too. Yeah, I I, uh, I thought Philly, like earlier in the season, I thought Philly looked like the best team in, in the NFL, just not even just the NFC. Last couple of weeks, though, I, I'm starting to realize, like see a, a couple of weaknesses they have. And I, I don't think they're as strong as a team as a lot of people think. I think they're kind of fluffed up by a weaker schedule, uh, very similar to the Vikings. Um where the Vikings, where a lot of people were saying they're fraudulent eight and one because they've played a you know a cupcake schedule so far, 
But yeah, I, I, uh, I guess if you're looking at, if I'm thinking of the best teams in the NFC, I would probably go, I think the Niners are, are the top. Um, then I would say the Bucks. I think, you know, obviously the Bucks are, I, I, like we've talked about it a few times already, where I think the Bucks are starting to figure it out. Uh, and when they do, I think they're hands down the best team in the mm-hmm. NFC. But yeah, I, I look at it as like the Niners and Bucks kind of in the top of who I think can make the Super Bowl from the NFC. And then right below them would be the Eagles, Cowboys, Vikings, teams like that. But like you said, man, the Cowboys, they just never get it done in the playoffs. So I just, I'm not high on them this year. Even though they play second on Thanksgiving, let's talk about that Cowboys and Giants game. As I'm looking right now, they're eight and a half point favorites against the New York Giants is Dallas. Obviously, Dallas always plays on Thanksgiving. I'm excited to watch the Giants. I think this is the first time since they played the Broncos many, many years back that they play on on Thanksgiving. Are we taking the points here, dude? We've been giving out some winners on Monday, usually for Sundays, but eight and a half, man. I think this is, uh, the line has already moved one and a half points from when it opened. How do you feel about this one? I already locked the Giants in. Um, I think eight and a half points, division game, just too many points, especially short week. Uh, You have the Cowboys coming off that huge win, you know, just like we were just talking about, big emotional win. Uh, Next week, teams usually do for a letdown. On the other side, you have the Giants coming off a bad loss, losing to a Lions team no one thought they were going to lose to. Um, yeah, I like the Giants a lot in this spot. I, I think they'll definitely be able to keep it within the eight and a half. I wouldn't be shocked if they win this game outright. You know, uh, As a Giants fan, I'm sure you know, how often do we see these teams in the NFC East? They just kind of beat up on each other. They usually split. They Very rarely is one team so dominant that they just kind of run through the division. Nah, that's definitely fair, dude. But the only pushback I would say is I hate what the Giants have at wide receiver. I think the injuries have really, really piled up on them. Like Wondell Robinson, now he's out for the year. He tore his ACL too. Again, on that turf in in MetLife that people have been bitching and moaning about for the longest time. And the way we talked about Mahomes earlier, how he beats up on the division, Dak, outside of his rookie year where he lost those two games, Dallas is on like a 10-game winning streak against the New York Giants when Dak is playing. Because last year, the Giants beat him, but that's when it was Andy Dalton was in there. But outside of that, it's like, yo, Dak just owns, owns the New York Giants, dude. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you got to put your hand in the fire, you know? Uh, No risk, no reward. I I just think eight and a half too many points, especially on the short week. I think it's going to be a tight game, very physical game. I think it'll be competitive. And like I said, eight eight points over a touchdown division game. Give it to me. Um, very similar to the Chargers last week. I saw that game was seven, locked it in. Um, looking at the, ahead to this week, I saw Packers seven-point dogs on Sunday Night Football. Locked it in. Give it to me. I mean, yeah, also Danny Dimes as an underdog. That's when you want to bet the Giants. Danny Dimes has a great yeah, record. He, I, I think he, he, he hits at like 74% as a, as a road underdog. Yeah, so I was going to say he's one of the worst quarterbacks at home. So in MetLife, yep. you know, last year I've made a, a fortune fading Danny Dimes in MetLife. But on the road, he's, for whatever reason, he's significantly better. So, yeah, I like that that they're on the road in this spot. And, I mean, you're the Giants fan. How, how do you feel about it? you betting them? No, I do think the points – I think the points is definitely lopsided. I would definitely take that. I'm going to jump on that right now as we're doing this one. Um, I don't think the Giants win this game, but – I think, I think the Giants could keep it close enough, especially if Saquon could get going. He got going the last time that they played them also. 
And it's a short week thing. And Dallas, the emotional high coming off that win against Minnesota. And, you know, ESPN and all these networks now, they're hyping up Dallas. Like, oh, is Dallas now the team to beat in the NFC? You're having those conversations also. Because Philly, yeah, Philly's 9-1. and one, But Philly had to come back in that game yesterday. And then you saw them lose on Monday Night Football to the Commanders. So I think 8.5 is a lot of points. And definitely, I might even wait on that, dude. Because I think everyone's going to be betting betting the Cowboys might even be able to get nine by the time this game kicks off. Yeah. I mean, typically the public doesn't move lines though. You know, like everyone who's betting the chiefs, that line went from seven to five and a half. Um, so pu- public very rarely moves lines. Um, but yeah, so I, I locked in the eight and a half. If it does climb up to, cause I saw it did bounce up to nine and then bounce back down. If it hits 10. I'll just add more to them. I like that spot a lot for the Giants. One of the one of the best angles I have that I bet on is when teams are coming off losing by 17 or more points or winning by 17 or more points. If they won by 17 or more, fade them the next week. If they lost by 17 or more, take them the next week. Uh, it's one of the most prof- very profitable uh, to do in the NFL because it's just it's it's so different from week to week. Like last week has nothing to do with this week, right? Like if you played sports, you know, like. I, uh, as an athlete, you have bad games, you have really good games. So last week doesn't really dictate what's going to happen this week. Um, so yeah, eight and a half, too many. Dude, talking about athletes, I'm a tremendous rec league quarterback on Sunday. <laughs> Go. Are you? Dude, back home at the league that I play in on Sundays, my, my nickname is Aaron Rodgers. I'm, <sighs> I'm, the, best, I'm the best quarterback in that league. Yeah, the white and the beard. I got the white and the beard, right? I put up big numbers. My team is always a one or two seed. Come playoff time, crash and burn. I've won one championship in like a decade. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, yo, I got, I got, you know, it's just something, something about me, man. Come playoff time, I just don't deliver. I delivered one time, just like Rogers. But outside of that, I got some bad, bad losses. Yo, let me ask you. You got a ring. Let me ask you about Bills and Detroit. I don't know if it's been said yet. But I can't think of how many scenarios, Kenny, the Lions have played on Thanksgiving and they're the team coming back to Detroit to play a team that's already there. Like Buffalo is just in Detroit. Yeah. uh, So what are you asking who I like in that game? Well, that and also like, yeah, isn't it crazy that it's a home game for Detroit? Buffalo is just in Detroit. There are some reports. Shout to my guy Piz in the Discord. He's he's a part of Bills Mafia. He was saying that McDermott entertained the idea of going back to Buffalo and then coming back on Wednesday because it's also like an hour and a half commute Buffalo to to right. Detroit. It's not like you're going from Seattle all the way across country. But I just find it pretty interesting that Detroit is in this spot here. Well, yeah, I mean, they're the Lions. They're not getting any favors from the NFL. They're the laughing stock of the NFL for almost like 10, 15 years now. Um, yeah, that, that's a game. It's weird because the line has started to tick down a little from where it opened up. So Sharp's probably taking the Lions there. I want no part of it. I want no part of the Lions on a three-game win streak. They look nice, but the defense is horrendous. So how are they stopping that Bills offense? I, if I'm taking anything there, it's probably the over. Yeah, the over has been pretty profitable in Lions game. Uh, Lions games, I think all but three games this year, the over hit because Detroit's defense is not that good. Even though they like you know Aiden Hutchinson, shout out to remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking about Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah, 
how he was, I believe, 16 to 1 to win rookie of the year at the time. And now as I'm pulling it up, because it was something where coming in, he was like a preseason favorite. And he had right. just yeah, started we were talking about that. Yeah, he just started playing well. And the number was 16 to 1. And that's something where I, I kind of just blindly always look for something like that around the midseason mark. And the comparison I made was Mahomes last year, how I bet Mahomes in the middle of the season, he didn't win it, but it's like, yo, I'm getting the preseason favorite now at 20 to 1 at the time when I took Mahomes. And when you're looking at Aiden Hutchinson, as I have it right here, oh, that's the offensive guys. He is now, he's 5 to 1. 16 to 1 about three weeks ago, 5 to 1 now. And Sauce, yeah, and Sauce is still getting the hype. And I think as, as long as the Jets' defense keeps playing well, he is the favorite. He's close to a 2 to 1 favorite. But I think Hutchinson is definitely closing in because he's making plays in big spots too. Like he's getting turnovers. He intercepted Aaron Rodgers, obviously the sacks. And if he has another good game now and a standalone game Thanksgiving, I think you're just going to see that number continue to climb. So what is is Sauce still the favorite? So right now, you got Sauce as the favorite. You got Woolen coming in at plus four hundred, and then you got Hutchinson at plus five fifty, and then Jack Jones. What's what's Sauce now? Sauce is two to one favorite. So minus two hundred. Yeah. So I think he was like minus like one thirty when we talked about that a few weeks ago, right? Or was he a bigger favorite then? Do you remember? No, I think he was in the plus. Okay. Somewhere in the plus. I know after like week four when they played the Bengals, I came on and we did like the quarterly awards. This is before you you started doing content with me on Mondays. And I was saying how the Jets might have a, a chance to have both offensive and defensive rookies of the year. And Sauce was like 14 to 1 at the time. It didn't move off what his preseason odds were really. But it's – I like doing that, man. I like what futures I come in when I think that I could get a good number. Yeah, I, I think that's the best way to bet futures. Um, like last year, right? The Rams, I, I didn't bet them preseason. I thought the Rams had a great shot to win the Super Bowl. It's one of the teams I liked. And then they kind of hit a rough patch. They go get Odell and Von Miller. And I just said, like, dude, this is a Madden team. Like, this, this team's not losing in, in the playoffs or a Super Bowl. This is the best team in the NFL by far. I'm getting plus 1,100, plus 1,300 for them to win the Super Bowl. And I, I jumped in on that, and it paid off. Yeah. Yeah, that's something that I always – I like that. That's one of my favorite things that you had said about betting futures once the season starts because you actually see what these teams look like. We're in the preseason. It's all kind of just like fantasy booking and, and, you know, like looking at the rosters on paper as opposed to seeing them actually playing. No, definitely. It's, you know, a lot of the – and, you, you know, you kind of just alluded to it, like how ESPN is hyping up the Cowboys. Just a lot of white noise, right? Like – Coming into this year, all we heard is how Josh Allen's probably going to win the MVP. Mm. I w- was telling everyone, Josh Allen's not winning the MVP. When that's all you're hearing on TV, uh, when your friends are talking about it, when you're fr- that's what your friends are betting, it's just probably not going to happen. It's very unlikely. So, yeah, I, I, I like to fade all that stuff out. I call it white noise. Just block it out. If anything, take the opposite of what you're hearing. Like, what's the popular you know, opinion right now? Last game, the night game, Minnesota and New England. Minnesota, a three-point favorite. This this has to be a Minnesota spot, no? I mean, the line's screaming Minnesota here. Yeah. Screaming it. It's, it's kind of like the Cowboys one, right? Where you're looking at how are the Cowboys, you know, one, two-point favorite in Minnesota. 
Now I, I know this game's in Minnesota, so it's not in New England, but still you have the Pats coming off a, you know, a nice win over the Jets. Vikings just got absolutely throttled. So initially, yeah, I would probably lean Minnesota there. Um, come Thursday, if I look at the, you know, the splits and let's say there's 80% uh, of the tickets, 80% of the handle on the Vikings, then I'll just blindly take the Pats there and feel pretty good about it. Especially because we look at the Patriots, the defense is, is solid, still have great cornerback play. Bill Belichick, the best at taking away your number one weapon. So if he takes away Justin Jefferson from Kirk Cousins, how, how are they going to beat the, the Patriots? Yeah, I'm fascinated to see what they do with that because I also think Dalvin Cook could have a game also. Like, it's going to be a lot to... That's the thing, man. Minnesota, like, the whole on-paper thing. And I think the big issue is Kirk Cousins, and everyone feels that way. They got a lot of talent, man, and even Hawkinson now being over there too. And this is going to be a big litmus test for me for the rest of the season to see if Minnesota's for real. Because there's nothing I like more, Kenny, than finding spots like this one after a team just got just embarrassed and undressed for everyone to see. And now you're coming, you're home, you're going to be in another primetime spot. Are you for real or are you who everyone thinks you are? Right? Like everyone thinks you're a fraud. We were talking about that before, how I think they might be fraudulent. They got exposed. But let's see. If you're going to be a serious contender and you want to be taken for real, you bounce back after a bad loss like that. So I am leaning towards Minnesota. Right after I saw that loss, anytime a team gets blown out like that, that I think is a good team, I'm like, yo, next week I'm going to take them. So let's see. I think, I think this game is going to say a lot about Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, well, that goes literally hand-in-hand with what I was saying. If a team's coming off a 17 or more point loss, the following week, they're a great bet to cover the spread. So, yeah, I mean, the three points, not a huge number. But, again, Kirk Cousins in prime time, do you trust him? Uh, we just saw him lay a huge egg in a big game. So, yeah, I think this this game is definitely has is going to be very telling for Minnesota the rest of the season. I agree with you 100% there. Let's give, uh, let's give the people some goodies, man. What's uh, what's your favorite bet on the board for for this? Well, week? Before we get to that, I, I want to ask you, and I'm sure you've seen it. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago when it happened. You see uh, what's going on with, your, with, with James Krause in the UFC? Yeah, that's nuts, right? What, what do you feel about that? Well, the the funny thing is, is that his uh, his fighter kind of aired him out in his last fight. Miles Johns, after his win. Was like, yeah, you know, my coach was supposed to be here, but the UFC and some people said that he can't be there for me. And then that's when all the articles started sur- surfacing because it was supposed to be like hush hush, kind of let's right. let's take care of business behind the scenes. Look, man, it's it, it brings up a lot of red flags. People like you who have said many times on here how like, yo, of course it's rigged. Like, of course there's some fuckery that goes down, and especially something like that where it's so intimate fighter and coach, you might know something that we don't. And then when you act on it in your Discord and he was telling people, oh, bet the under, or I'm off, you know, it was a three-unit bet, now I'm off it, it becomes a little suspect, dude. However, I just had, I also just had Eric Nixick on my show a couple weeks ago and he was saying how Francis Ngannou, when he fought Cyril Ghan, he had a blown-out knee. And he wore knee pads during the fight, which is something that fighters don't do because then you're, you're basically just, you're, you're letting them know like, yo, I'm a little, I'm a little hurt here. And then he went out there and he probably had the best performance of his career. So it's, it's weird. It's weird. But it is also fishy what's going down. Yeah, I saw he's, so he's not allowed to, he's being investigated, right? Like, yeah. I wonder, like, what, what do you think, 
what do you think will come of that? Do you think he'll get jail time for that? Like, because I mean, we've seen in the past, you, you fix games, you, you end up in jail behind bars. So um, <laughs> it's pretty crazy the way this unfolded. And what an idiot. Like if I knew something, the last thing I'm doing is telling a discord group or whatever. I'm just betting it, telling my friends, hey, put this money here keeping it hush hush and moving with moving on with my life. What idiot goes and broadcasts this to, to everyone? <laughs> yeah. You kind of, it's one of those things where like you kind of asked for this by, by airing it out. I wouldn't even tell my friends, dude, truthfully, I would tell like the people yeah. that, that not nah, honestly, I wouldn't because you never know what could come like the, later down the road. You guys get into an argument and then they go all over social media. Like, yo, one time he told me about this fix and then, and then you're, you're dragged through through the mud also. I think that would be something where I would just keep that information to myself. Yeah. So I, I wonder how they would be able to kind of pinpoint if he, you know, like what exactly he did and if it was wrong and if he's going to get in trouble. Cause I mean, how do you figure, how do you really backtrack that now? You would have to see what kind of money he's put up. Look into that, look into accounts or look at people that are very close to him. If they went and made any fishy wagers, I could tell you one time when when Chris Weidman fought Anderson Silva, one of the big line movers were a lot of people that I knew in Long Island because they were, you know, Weidman was like a 12 to 1 dog and they were just hammering yeah. it because like they trained with him and they were friends. They didn't know anything different, but they were just like, yo, it's my boy fighting. I'm going to bet on him. And then they all cashed out. That's completely different from knowing that like Chris Weidman in that fight had a blown out shoulder. Like TJ Dillashaw was another one, dude. TJ Dillashaw had his shoulder pop out 20 times in camp, they said. And then he goes into the fight, gets taken down once, it pops out, and then he gets stopped in the second round. It's like, dude. And I get it for fighters, though. And it was something I was talking about when, when we broke this down, how a fighter gets paid on appearance. Like You got to make weight, and then you get a, that's the only way that you're going to make your, your purse. So I get it from that perspective. But as far as like the James Krause thing goes, it's not going to end well, man. I don't think we see him coaching. Um, he has a big fight coming up in, in January in Brazil. One of his fighters, uh, Brandon Moreno, he's fighting for the belt again. And he was just with him in his last fight against Kai Kara France. And he won that and he won the strap. So it's fishy, man. I don't think, dude, in the grand scheme of things, bro, it's not worth it. Like how much, <laughs> yeah. how much money would it take for you to do something like that? Like a couple thousand dollars. Is that really changing your life? Millions. I could see it, but like, how much are you possibly putting down on a bet like that? That's why the integrity of the game thing with like you going up to an NBA player and be like, yo, I need you to miss a couple free throws. It's like, bro, I make $40 million a year. That shouldn't even do nothing for me. You got to give me like, yeah. it, it's, it's literally not going to do anything for me. So to me, like all that shit was always nonsense, dude. Like you're not going to collude the game when you have millionaires. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, we hear about it all the time, how UFC fighters are underpaid, though. So, you know, is this guy living lavish? I, I don't know James Krause, you know, financial situation to say, but who knows? Maybe he had a million dollars on this fight. I mean, the line moved pretty significantly. So, yeah, we, we don't know. But I can't see him doing this for a couple thousand bucks, right? He had, I'm assuming he had big money on this and he came out nice. I would hope so. Like, I hope the reason that you did something like this is because it's a it's a life altering kind of money. If you're doing right, this for something but, like pocket change and you're right, we don't know exactly what the amount is or, or what it was. It could be. We're all speculating. But I do think like moving forward, there's going to be some craziness that's going to come from this story. 
No, definitely. And I mean, the UFC has has a lot of problems with this, I think, because even this past weekend, you look at one of the fights, uh, was his name? Zalgis Zelmagov or something. He was like the underdog yeah. and he lost a split decision. The guy was minus a thousand going in when the fight ended. How does he lose? How, how can he lose a decision when he's minus a thousand? Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I have a buddy who bets a lot on the UFC and he says every time Sal Diamato is judging some weird fluky shit happens. So yeah, he's definitely one of the people that when you see him as one of the judges, like, Oh, Twitter's going to be on fire tonight. <laughs> that's for sure. Yo, yes. Kenny, this was, did, did you watch that fight? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, look, when it's a split decision, like that's why there's always a controversy because some judges saw it one way, some saw it the other. I thought he won it two to one. 29-28 is how I had it on my scorecards. But that's that's the thing, man. Like the old the old saying of don't leave it up to the judges. Sometimes you have to. But that's why betting UFC is so wacky. The amount of people that have hit me up and they're like, yo, I'm never betting on UFC again. This shit is rigged or, or these decisions make no sense. It's like, yeah, man, that's, that's part of the game. But this is coming from someone who... I hit a 300 to one parlay when I was here in Vegas in March, nine fighter money line parlay. I had three split decisions. Kenny go all my way. And since then wow. in March, I think I've had one split decision go my way. <laughs> <laughs> you, get, you got your fill on the parlay and they said no more for you. I told my buddy, I was like, listen, we, we get hyped when one split decision goes our way. We had three in six fights go our way. Shit is never happening again, bro. It's never going to happen. That's unheard of. You should have played the lottery. I mean, we basically did that night. That was a good night, man. Good night. <laughs> we, we spent like close to $1,500 eating steaks and wine. And it, it sounds good now. And I would only do that because we won. It was one of those weekends. It's like, yo, we're probably never going to experience this again. Let's get, let's get a little wild. I'm not even a wine guy, dude. I'm not even a wine guy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Kenny, this was dope, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate your time. I hope you have a continued success with these bets from one weekend to the other and uh, tell the people where they can find you, dude. You can find me, Kenny bets, big Instagram, uh, you know, Twitter, any of those social medias, my handle, Kenny bets, big real quick before I hop out though. You asked what I liked this weekend. Love the Packers plus seven prime time against the Eagles. Um, I think everyone's going to think Eagles coming off a close game. They're going to bounce back at home. Uh, give me, give me Rogers in prime time plus seven. Love it, man. Love it. Hey, Monday winners. We've been. Yeah, that's it. You know, we, I, listen, let me tell you, since I came on the show, you've gotten a lot closer to $200,000. That's for sure. Hey, <laughs> hey, listen, I took my cap. That's for sure. We're, we're seeing things the right way. Also in your contest, by the way, I'm, I'm creeping. I might be top five right now. Are you? Yeah, I have to check. I was going to look after today, see where people are at, but what, I, I don't want to hold you because I know I think you got someone else hopping on here, but what, how, what has to go your way to win the 200,000? So, man, I'm, uh, I'm top 50 right now. I'm two and a half games back of first. Uh, wow. That's the, close, yo, man. Yo, so check this out. The dude who was in first prior to this week, 0 for 5. So <sighs> it's, I thought I was dead because I, I had a 0, 4, and 1 week where I got 0.5. And I was like, damn, I'm buried. And this was like back in week four. And, and I'm, I'm pretty hot right now. I've gotten four, four or five points in the last four straight weeks. And I put, potentially tonight, I got the Cardinals plus 10. 
So hopefully when you guys hear this and if it's a close game and, you know, the Niners win by a field goal, we'll be 5-0, and maybe climb some more uh, spots up. But I think I just got to – I got to keep keep having winning weeks. I think if I could just go 3-2 and two the rest of the way, can't have a 0-5, for 5, can't have a 1-4, for 4, like give me 3-2 and two the rest of the way, and uh, I think it's going to get wild. Come wild show. So you're two and a half back if the Cardinals win cover tonight. You're only one and a half back. Correct, dude. One one and a half back. There's a lot of lot of weeks left, man. You're really you're in striking distance. Like <sighs> I'm not gonna like, know how this, to act. This is the one where you're counting the money. You know. Yeah, I'm telling you now. I'm not gonna yeah. know how to act. I'm gonna call off work. I'm gonna put the podcast on hold for a week. I'll be <laughs> on like I don't know. I'm. It's gonna get wild. But let's not, you know, let's not count our chickens before they hatch, Kenny. Now, I, I'm saying it right here, right now. You can clip this. You're going to win that fucking tournament, dude. I, I see it happening, dude. It's going to be crazy. You can make some sick content about it. <laughs> Listen, I'm definitely going to clip this and keep this archived for sure. Hey, Lock the Packers in, though. You'll thank me on next week. Let's do it. Let's do it. At Veterans Minimum, where you can find everything for the show. Nick Day is 10 is where you can find me. We'll catch you guys next week. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.